his names. I've never heard them before. There's one right after the other. But as you get into the book, you start putting all the names together. You remember them. And then it's kind of like, oh, okay, this is now, now it, it makes sense now. And the genealogies are fun because at first they really, they're just a bunch of names. Names that we don't know anybody with that name. You know, it's not like, oh, yeah, old Nahor. <laughs> we, we go way back. Uh, old Sheshkalalabaz. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. I mean, we don't know these names. They don't have the meaning to us. Uh, they're hard to say. And you just kind of go blah, 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 blah over them sometimes. And, or you just say, yeah, that's great. You know, I think it was I mentioned Adrian Rogers this morning. He called uh, he called it a Hebrew phone book. You know, I remember one time saying it's like going through this Hebrew phone book of names and they just don't always mean a lot to us. But uh, within the genealogy, um, there's a history that connects the present with the past. And it's kind of exciting. Here we are living so many years beyond uh, even Genesis 12, a little bit over 4,000 years past this point. And uh, there is a connection from here to us today. And, and each name and, uh, that you read, there's a whole, whole separate history that follows with those names, and it's so fun to follow these through. But what we have here in the genealogies, obviously, is what God wanted us to have. And uh, some get explained, and some get mentioned once, and you never hear them again, but, but they're there for a purpose. But not only do genealogies connect us with the past, but uh, they serve as a verification of dates and events. I was at the door of this... Uh, Lady, I was, I was kind of surprised in, in Aurora. We were out on visitation, and she says, Oh, I go uh, to Temple Beth Shalom in, in Springfield or something. I'm like, There's a Temple Beth Shalom in Springfield? I didn't know that. And she was a Jew, you know. And uh, so, and, and the only thing I, I said, Well, no, that, that's great. And uh, I said, Obviously, we're going to disagree on the person of Jesus Christ. And I said, Let me just leave you with one thing. Uh, I said, All of the, I told her, All of, all of the, all of the genealogical records that you once had, uh, th those records are gone. I mean, we have them in the Old Testament. But there's all sorts of records. They're just gone. Everything's gone. If you're still looking for the Messiah, how are you going to prove that? You have no genealogies left, right? You have nothing left to go back to to connect and verify the facts of what you're saying, who you will say is the Messiah, which will be the Antichrist, who you'll say that you have, you have no geological evidence or um Genealogical evidence, thank you, uh, to to prove that, and and I told you, I I, I mentioned that to the to the, uh, the 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 tour guide in Israel, and he just said, "Well, God will tell us. He'll tell us." That's all his answer was. God will tell us, you know. And so, not only do we have a link back to history, but we also have a verification of dates and events. And in our text here in Genesis twelve. Uh, we're going to get here, but I want, I want to show you, just, I'm going to brush, just, just quickly brush on a few genealogies that lead up to the genealogies here and lead up to the events here that happen in chapter 12. Let me read verse 1 through 6 for you real quickly. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. 
And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sychem, unto the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. Now, Father, would you help us uh, as we go through your word here? And uh, in a reminder here, Father, that every every word, Jesus said, not one jot nor tittle will pass till all the law be fulfilled. And that every, every comma, every period, every crossed T, every dotted I is, is important. It is comes from thy... Uh, from from inspiration, it is God breathed, and you've preserved it for us, and and you have left it for us to teach us something, and to encourage us and to help us. So, Father, as we go into this portion of Scripture, would you do that today? Would you teach us this morning, uh, this afternoon? I should say, would you would you uh, just encourage us? May we be encouraged with you and who you are and your character and your promises. And Father, we will thank you for what you do in Jesus' name here. Amen. In, in chapter 9 of Genesis, Noah and the family has just gotten off of the ark. And God tells them to go and be fruitful and multiply to replenish the earth. And on the, at the end of chapter 9, uh, Noah is giving blessings and cursings to his sons. And towards the end of chapter 9, the, he gives a, a, um, a curse unto Ham, which would be the lineage of the Canaanites. He says they'll be servants to the families of Shem and Japheth. And then he gives a blessing unto, the, unto Shem, who is the, uh, the Israelite race, the, the line of, of Israel. And uh, he said Canaan will be his servant. So the Canaanites will, will serve uh, the the Shemites and then his third son Japheth he uh, gives a blessing to them this is the lineage of the Gentiles there is a blessing to them they will be enlarged and he says this they will dwell in the tents of Shem and Canaan will be his servant as well so there's some blessings there in curse and a curse there for the three children of Noah. Now, when you get into chapter 10, it details the genealogies of the three sons of Noah. And what we find out there in these, in this genealogy, we're not going to dive in there right yet, but it begins with Japheth and there's seven nations of Japheth. And you go to Ham, there will be four nations that come out of the, the line of Ham. And then Shem, there will be five nations that come from the line of Shem. And then we move on to chapter 11 and we come to the Tower of Babel. And then once again, the line of Shem is given here as well. And this time, the lineage, uh, the genealogy goes from Shem all the way to Abraham. All the way to Abram. So there are nine generations given from Shem to Abraham. Now, if you'd look at chapter 11, look at verse 24, if you would. The Bible says, And Nahor lived nine and twenty years, and begat Terah. 
And Nahor beget, lived after he beget Terah 119 years and begat sons and daughters. And Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. How many have ever wondered if Abraham was one of triplets? It doesn't say, but it also doesn't say each one was begat. But something to think about. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram took Nahor, and I'm sorry, Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren, and she had no child. So here's the background that we're given before we even get to chapter 12, that Terah, Abram's father, Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Okay, those are the three sons there of Terah. And in this genealogy, we are given some details. Some genealogies don't have a lot of details. This one has more detail right here. The first thing that we see is that Haran, that third son, died, it says, before his father. In verse 28, the word means in front of. That word before means in front of or before. Either, either obviously, he died before his father died, okay? But it's possible in front of meaning he saw him die or maybe it was something tragic. We don't really know that. Here's what we do know. We know that he died and his father was still alive. Okay. So who knows what happened here. But obviously there is something pivotal in their life to the point of Tara's life that uh, that after Haran died, Tara picks up family and they moved. Okay. Haran died. Haran died where they were from in Ur of the Chaldees, which is Iraq. So he died in Iraq. And then after he died, Terah picks up the rest of his family and he moves north quite a bit. And he comes to another place and uh, he in, in the land of Canaan. And they lived in a city. Get this. You ready? Called Haran. That was his third son name. Now, did he name it? I don't know. Do you think he named it? Maybe he named it. Maybe he was already named Haran and he liked it. He thought, oh, that's my son's name. That was my lost son's name. I Listen, I don't know. All I know is the, the city name right here where he stayed was Haran. Okay. So Terah's going to live the rest of his life in Haran. And he's going to die at the sprite age of 205. 205. All right. So you have Tehran, or I'm sorry, Terah. He gives birth to Abram. And uh, to Nahor and Haran, Haran dies in Ur of the Chaldees in Iraq. They move to Haran up into Canaan. Terah lives there until he dies. So while it's at this time, while, while Terah is living in Haran and Abram and Nahor are in Haran, that God comes to Abraham and tells him to leave Haran and go uh, down into Canaan. Now, I said Turkey earlier, I was mistaken. Haran is actually modern-day Turkey. Canaan is south in the area of the Israelites, modern-day Israel. So Terah had moved his family over 600 miles, really, north from the Ur of the Chaldees up into Haran. And then Abram is going to move about 2,400 miles south 
from from Haran unto Sychem. And he tells Abram to leave this country, to leave his kindred, to leave his father's house in verse 1. And then God is going to give Abraham some promises here. Now notice these promises. I don't want you to miss this. You ready? He says, get out of the country, verse 1, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. You're going to go somewhere else. I'll make of thee, of, uh, here it is, I'll make of thee a great nation. That's the first promise. Second promise, I will bless thee and make thy name great. And then third promise, thou shalt be a blessing. He says, I'm going to bless them that bless you. I'm going to curse them that curse you. And then he goes on to say, fourthly, in all thee, I'm sorry, in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. All the families of the earth are going to be blessed through Abraham. Now remember that. Don't forget that. God says that this thing that he does with Abraham, all of the earth, all of the families of the earth are going to be blessed through, through you. So Abraham takes Sarah as his wife and he moves the 2,400 miles south to Sychem and then you come to verses 4 and 6 in chapter 12. Look what, look what God says here. Look what it says. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him, which was his, his, uh, his, his brother, uh, Haran, his, his brother's son. He takes Lot with him and he departed and he, it says here that Abram was 75 years old. He departed out of Haran and he took Sarah as wife, Lot his brother's son, all their substance, all they gathered, all the souls they had gotten in Haran and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, into the land of Canaan they come. So now think about this here. Abraham grew up in the Ur of the Chaldees. He grew up in a pagan land. He grew up in the area of Iraq. And I, I don't believe, I, I, I don't know, but it seems hard for me to believe that Abram would have had many examples of others around him living by faith and obedience to the, to the, what, what would be the, what will be the creator God, the God of Israel. I don't know if he had very many examples of that. I don't know. But you wonder, how is it that Abraham so readily believed and obeyed God? Now listen, we've got, we've got uh, you know, we're looking at 6,000 years of evidence today. We're looking at the complete Word of God. We're, lo- we're looking at, uh, just even in our own lifetime, some of you have family members that just lived for God and followed God and lived by faith, and you watch God bless their life, and you watch God faithful to them, and you watch their faith, and, it's, and, and it helps you in your own life uh, live for God. I, I, I'm not convinced Abraham had any of this. I mean, you talk about, people talk about blind faith. Well, it's not blind faith because he had the word of God, but he had nothing really much around him that would seem to me that would encourage him, that would help him to go on. But if you if you read over in Hebrews chapter 11, it's revealed here in the verses eight through 10. And it says this by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same, here it is, promise. For he looked for a city, whose, which hath foundations, I'm sorry, whose builder and maker is God. Do you realize that all that Abraham had to go off of what it seemed like were the promises of God? He said, go out into a country. Where are we going? I don't know. I'll tell you. Well, God knew. 
He says, but you're not going to know. I'll tell you. Okay. Well, what's going to go on there? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll give you some promises. Here's some promises. I'm going to make you a great nation. Wait, my wife's barren. I know. I'm going to make you a great nation. What's a nation? It's a group of people. (laughs) It's a nationality. I don't have any kids. I'm 75 years old. My wife is barren. I know. I'm going to make you a great nation. There's a promise. He said, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to give you a big name. Okay. He says, you're going to be a blessing. You're going to be a blessing. And through you, all of the families of the world are going to be blessed. Those are promises. Promises that God gave Abraham, that Abram, that, that, that was what Abram held on to, the word of God and the promises of God that moved him, watch, to go wherever God told him to go. Right. And in these two verses, we see the beginning of a lineage that hangs on those promises. A lineage that hangs on those promises. Because that's what God does, doesn't he? He makes promises. He makes promises. We love to quote some of them, don't we? Right? Some of God's promises. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Well, that's a great promise. Right? Yeah. Call unto me and I'll show you the great and mighty things. Oh, we like that. We like those. We like to light thyself also in the Lord. He will give thee the, 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 the desires of thy, of thy heart. That's a great promise. What about this one? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Boy, that's a great promise from God. God makes promises, doesn't he? We have them in, in, in all throughout the word of God. We rest on them. We love them. We memorize them. We go to them in our prayer time. And sometimes you might say, God, your word says, you said this, and I have this going on. And, and according to what you said, Lord, I need you to show up and I need you to do something. And, and we look at the promises of God and we, we memorize them and we pray them and all of these things. We love them. But why, why do we have such assurance of these promises? Why do we go to them like we do? Why do we rest on them like we do? Well, because God keeps promises. I mean, this has been evident through from the very beginning of time that whatever God says, he does. That what, I love what it says over in Hebrews, how, how it was revealed there, that, that whereby two immutable things, whereby it is impossible for God to lie. And what a, what a, what a, what a, what a, a kind of a safety net that is, what an assurance that is, that we know that God cannot lie. He is holy. He is without sin. He cannot lie. And if he, if he makes a promise, he's going to keep his promise. And we can, uh, as the saying goes, take it to the bank. God is going to do what he says he's going to do. Why can we be so sure of that? Well, because promises rest on the character of the one making it. Promises rest on the character of the one making the promise. I know this is a dumb illustration. I've given it to you before, but I still like it and I'll say it again. There was a beaver. And you know how beavers are. They just swim around and they're, they're really good in the water, right? Well, one day the beaver is on the side of the, the side of the river there, and Scorpion, Mr. Scorpion, come up, and he needed to get across the other side. And Mr. Scorpion said to the beaver, "Hey, Mr. Beaver, would you, could I get a ride on your back across the river?" Beaver go, "Boy, I don't know about that. You're going to sting me." Scorpion goes, "I'm not going to sting you. Why would I do that?" 
He goes, no, I don't think so. I, 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 no, I'm good. I, I, no, I'm not interested. And the scorpion just kept him imploring. He said, please, I've got to get across. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. If you give me a ride, I won't sting you. I won't do it. I promise. So, of course, Mr. Beaver says, okay. And there's, he gets on his back and he's swimming across and gets halfway over. And all of a sudden, ah! You stung me. And he's like, oops. You promised you wouldn't sting me. Why did you sting me? He says, just my nature, man. It's just my nature. Because I'm a scorpion. And scorpions sting. I know it's so silly. I know it is. But listen, promises promises rest on the character of the one making it. Promises rest on the one who, on the ability of the one making the promise. Listen, a scorpion should have never made the promise. No promise. I won't sting you. Trust me. Right? Or, or whatever the, the crazy animal is that you shouldn't believe, right? Uh, you ever see these guys put their heads in alligators? Well, that's stupid, right? right? Watch this, kids. <laughs> you know, boy. He's, or these guys that raise little lion cubs, and they're all like, oh, they're all, they're all lovey-dovey, and they get old, and they eat them, you know? And they, like, take one swipe, and it's like, you know, they have no eyes and mouth left anymore. It's like, Ugh. You know, it's like, well, he'd never done that before. Well, it's, just, it's, it's, a, it's a lion, man. What are you thinking? I didn't think he'd do that. <laughs> yeah. The prom- promises rest on the character of the one who's making them. Promises rest on, on the ability of the one who is making them. The dependability of them. Do you know, man isn't really good with promises, are we? No, we keep promises. We do. We do. But listen, uh, how many times have you heard the words, I promise, followed the next day by, I'm sorry? Why? Because we're human beings. We're human beings. No, we're not God. We're not like God. Uh, We've all done it. Our fallen nature, our fallen sin nature tells us that, you know, like what the Word of God says, let God be true and every man a liar. No, no. I, I believe we ought to keep promises, absolutely. I believe we ought to be believable. I believe we ought to be truthful. We ought to keep our word, absolutely. Men and women all over through time have kept promises. Yes, they have. But it's easier for us to not keep them than it is for God uh, to not keep them. <laughs> He's always going to keep His promise. Yeah. You see, the promises of God... Rest on his character and on his, de- on his dependability. They rest on his attributes. They rest on who he is. We're limited to make certain promises because of our inabilities and because of our nature. Watch, God is unlimited in his abilities to make promises because of his nature. So I want to show you something here today. We know that God makes promises. We know that God keeps promises. We know that. The promises God made to Abraham in Genesis 12 were fulfilled. Amen. Amen. Uh, Let me help you. They are. Okay. They were fulfilled. And we're living in them today over 4,000 years later. We're, We're living in the midst of gleaning off of those promises 
We, we are living in the, 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 the watershed of those promises that God made to Abraham. What were the promises? Look at verse 2. I will make of thee a great nation. Think about this now today, would you please? Israel is about the size of Rhode Island. Think about that. It is a nation about the size of Rhode Island. They are surrounded by approximately 300 million Muslims. Many, in all honesty, who would say, wish they were off the map. Yeah. Their annihilation has been attempted for thousands of years. They've been tried to be been rid of. Uh, ju- uh, the, the U.S. Has, has just recently moved uh, um, um, our embassy to Jerusalem. I've been there. I saw it. It was beautiful. We took pictures in front of it. It was really neat. It, w- it was a monumental thing that president after president after president had said, oh, yeah, we need to have the embassy there. We got to have the embassy there. We ought to do it. Never did it. Never did it until some crazy guy named Trump did it. Okay. It was just, yeah, it was, it was beautiful. I, saw, I, I actually saw it. But in spite of a planet full of enemies, in spite of of the UN that voted, 193 countries make up the UN, 128 voted to condemn the U.S. for moving uh, for for moving the embassy to Jerusalem. Only nine countries within the U.S. only nine votes voted yes. Listen, the world doesn't like Israel. They don't like him. And in spite of a planet full of enemies, yeah, in spite of a planet full of enemies, a nation that started with Abraham remains a great, powerful nation. He said, I will make of thee a great nation. Can I tell you? It's still here. That's right. It's still here. Look what else God says here. The second promise I will bless thee and make thy name great. I will make thy name great. The name of Abraham is claimed as father by more than 15 and a half million Jews. They claim, remember when Jesus uh, was debating with the Pharisees and they'd say, well, our father is Abraham, right? And he said, well, if, if your father was Abraham, you would have rejoiced to see my day like, like Abraham did and he saw it. Right? But they claim Abraham as their father. 1.8 billion Muslims in the world claim a connection to Abraham. And they do, through Ishmael. Yeah. 2.4 billion Christians in the world claim some uh, connection, obviously not through the line of Abraham, but we'll see later through Jesus Christ, uh, connection to Abraham. Almost 4.2 billion people in the world claim some connection to Abraham. That's almost half the world's population. Yeah. I'll make that name great. Boy, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. Right? You say Abraham, most of the world knows who you're talking about. Right? You say, you say Bill, and whatever. Yeah. Jack. Some people know that, but, you know, you say Jack to over in uh, Asia, and they go, huh? <laughs> they don't know what you're talking about. You say Abraham, half the world is going to know. Probably, well, probably more than that. Half will claim connection, probably more than that. Know who exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. 
Look at the third promise God made. Thou shalt be a blessing. It says, I'll bless them that bless you. I'll curse them that curse you. you. Hey, you want to you hear a few names of some famous Jews that made some great comp- contributions to the world? Does the, does the name Levi Strauss sound familiar? How many have a pair? <laughs> yeah. Here's one you probably don't know. Dr. Uh, Gertrude Elion. Anybody know that name? Oh, I'm surprised. It's kind of famous. Not really. She developed the chemotherapy for childhood leukemia. Yeah, pretty good, huh? How about, how about Time Magazine's, magazines uh, Person of the Century? Albert Einstein. Einstein. I mean, if you go through, the, through the, all of the lists of the top influential people, more than half of them are Jews. You go through the Forbes list of the wealthiest, more than half of them are Jews. I tell, what did God tell Abraham? That you're going to be a blessing. Now, now, the world doesn't think they're a blessing, but whether they know it or not, they're a blessing. They really are. He says, in, all, in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Not just Jewish families will be blessed. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Remember when Noah uh, uh, was blessing Shem and Japheth? And he said, Japheth, the, the Gentiles, shall dwell in the tents of Shem, which are the Jews. Now watch this, watch this. Gentiles were not even allowed in the temple. They weren't even allowed. They were called dogs, right? Worse than a Gentile was a half-breed between a Gentile and a Jew, which were the Samaritans. They couldn't stand them. They were called half-breeds. The Jews would go around Samaria not to go through it. But Noah said the Gentiles would dwell in the tents of Shem. What does that mean? What does that mean? Wait, there's some family, there's going to be a family connection. You know, when, when, in the patriarchal time, when, when uh, you know, uh, a child gets married, what do they do? They add, add it on to the tent. They brought, you know, when Rebecca and Isaac, what did Isaac do? He brought Rebecca into the tent of his mother. What is that? He was, she was, he was bringing her into the family. Right? And here it is showing that the Gentiles shall dwell in the tents of Shem. How is this possible? possible because of the second person of the Godhead, the eternal Son of God, put on human flesh, was born of, of a virgin, proved his deity by signs and wonders and many infallible proofs, by a sinless life. He went to a Roman crucifixion. He willingly laid down his life and poured out his blood. He died. He rose again on the third day. And when we come to Christ, when we are put in Christ, we are grafted into Israel. Why? Because he is, he is of the lineage and he is in Israel. There's a lot there. I don't want to get into the, all of the grafting in of Israel. But what am I saying? God kept his promise. All of the, world's, all of the nations of the world shall be blessed. You're going to be grafted in. Hey, hold on, hold on. We're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ next Sunday. Watch, because of promises made to Abraham over 4,000 years ago. Genealogies. Every promise of God hinges on the promise of the Messiah. Genesis 3.15. The promises to Abraham that there's going to be a line, a lineage to the Messiah 
See, listen, if, if we couldn't be redeemed, there would be no point in the promises. This was the point of it all. Started in Gen- like I said, over, over in, in Genesis 3.15. And from that first promise begins the genealogy of Seth. And from Seth, we have a genealogy. Let me, I got to read this here all the way to Noah. And from Noah, all, we have all the way to Abraham. From a- Abraham, we have Isaac and the seed of promise. And from Isaac, Jacob. From Jacob, the 12 sons of Jacob, which would be the 12 tribes of Israel. And from the 12 tribes, we have an unbroken line all the way to the Messiah. Why? Because God keeps promises. We can read it. We can follow the genealogies. We can bring them all the way to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if Jesus Jesus never came, there'd be no cross. If there's no cross, there'd be no sacrifice, no sacrifice. There'd be no blood, no blood, no atonement, no, no atonement, no redemption, no redemption, no relationship, no relationship. The promises are pointless. You see all these promises God made? They would be absolutely pointless without the promise of the Messiah and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. But you know what he does? God keeps his promise. Yeah. Abraham told Isaac God himself would provide the lamb. Remember that? Walking up that mountain. Father, we have the fire, we have the wood. Where's the lamb? God will provide himself the lamb. Jacob told Judah that the scepter would not depart out of Judah until Shiloh come. Job said, like I said this morning, I know my Redeemer liveth and shall stand on the earth someday. Isaiah said, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. Micah said in Micah 5, 2, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth hath been from old, from everlasting. Watch this. Because of Jesus Christ, God fulfilled the promise to Abraham that all the world would be blessed. Yeah. God makes promises. God keeps promises. And the birth of Jesus Christ is one of the greatest evidences of the promise of God fulfilled. And we have all of the genealogies to show us. He keeps his promise. Absolutely. That's what we're going to look at next week. So we're going to celebrate next week. The birth of Jesus Christ. What is it? Promise kept. Promise kept. Let's stand tonight. And while we stand, turn to Matthew chapter 1, would you please? Matthew chapter 1. Such an interesting genealogy. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. The son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac begat Jacob. Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. Judas begat Phares and Zerah of Tamar. And Phares begat Esram and Esram of Aram. And Aram begat Aminadab. And Aminadab begat Nason. And Nason begat Salmon. And Salmon begat Boaz of Rechab. And Boaz begat Obed and Ruth of Ruth. And Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David the king. And David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. And Solomon begat Rehoboam. And Rehoboam begat Abiah. And Abiah begat Asa. And Asa begat Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat begat Joram. And Joram begat Ozias. And Ozias begat Joth 
Jotham, and Jotham begat Achaz, and Achaz begat Ezekias, and Ezekias begat Manassas, and Manassas begat Amron, and Ammon begat Josias, and Josias begat Jeconias, and his brethren, about the time they were carried away into Babylon. And now we have a, have a, a time point marker here, too. Of the, of the carrying away the 70 years into Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconias beget Saltiel, and Saltiel beget Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel beget Abiad, and Abiad beget Eliakim, and Eliakim beget Azor, and Azor beget Sadok, and, and Sadok beget Achim, and Achim beget Iliad, and Iliad beget Eleazar, and Eleazar beget Mathan, and Mathan beget Jacob, and Jacob beget Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, which is called Christ. See that word of, of whom there? That could be referring to anybody, but in Greek it's feminine. It's referring to Mary, of course. He didn't come of Joseph. It says, And, jo- and Jacob begat Joseph. All it says is he was the husband of Mary. Of whom? Of whom who? Of Mary of whom was born Jesus, which is called the Christ. The truth of the birth of Christ. It's not presence and family and the like, though that's a wonderful part of it. They're great things. The truth of the birth of Christ is that God always keeps His promise. Always. Is there something you're trusting him for today? Maybe something you've thought, boy, I don't know. I know he said this, and I'm not seeing this yet. I know we need this, but I'm not seeing it. Can I, can I tell you something? Yes, I understand sometimes we, misapply, we misinterpret Scripture once in a while. But the point of it is, if God has said it, you can trust him. We have 4,000, 6,000 years of God making promises and keeping them. Yeah. What are you struggling with tonight? Anything? Anything you've been trusting God for that you've kind of wondered if it's going to ever happen? How ma- hey, when, when, when the Messiah did come, how many did really recognize him? Watch, what did Jesus say at the, end of, at the end of it all? How many will at one day, he's promised to come back, amen? And how many will say, well, where is the sign of thy coming? Where, hey, where, where is he? How many, how many are getting to the point even now, you watch people, now they start changing their doctrine, and they move from a pre-tribulation rapture, and now they've moved to a mid-trib or a post-trib. They, don't, they think, well, some believe he just came back, and the preterists will say he just came back in, in spirit around 70 A.D. and the destruction of the temple. All of these different things, because now they've stopped, people have just, it's been so long, they think, well, he's not coming. No, he's coming. Amen. <laughs> Why? Because he said he would. And he can't lie. He can't lie. Can I tell you something? Whatever you're trusting him for right now, whatever you're trusting him for in your life, whether it's, whether it's wisdom, whether it's help, whether it's strength, whether, whether it's uh, whatever it may be, listen, he's made, if he's made the promise, it's coming. Yeah, absolutely. And it is the birth of Jesus Christ.
that is one of the greatest reminders to us that God keeps His promise. Father, thank You. Thank You for the day. Thank You just for the good time to have with, with the saints and a good time around food and just the singing. And Thank You for the time of year that uh, so many have chosen to recognize and to remember the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as this week closes in to next Sunday when the world recognizes it as the birth of Christ, as we look at that day, much of the world sadly looks at it as a day of gifts and sadly looks at it as a time of just gorging on food and alcohol. And, and uh, I've, I've heard some of those saddest details of somebody's, quote, great Christmas, and it's just a, a drunken stupor and just what a, a filthy day of materialism and everything else. Lord, as we, your children, look at the day, may we be encouraged, may we be strengthened to remember that you always keep your promise. It hinges, your promises hinge on your character. They hinge on who you are, that you are God and you cannot lie. And whatever we're dealing with in our day-to-day life, whatever is looking forward to us next week, whatever is coming down the pike, Lord, that we have been concerned about, Lord, whatever the needs that we have that many have been seeking you for lately, Lord, would you encourage us today that if you've promised it, Lord, you'll do it. That's what made Abraham so great. He just believed you. He believed you. And he went out and he obeyed. So, Father, would you help us to have that same faith and trust? After all you've shown us, what more could we really need as evidence? We pray you'd have your will and way in the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. It's the instrument plays. We'll just take a little bit of time here. Have the Lord have spoken to you this morning, this afternoon. I don't even know what time it is. You have some promises from God that you need? Are there some things that needs that you've had that God has promised? And it seems like they're a long way away. Can I tell you he keeps his promise? Maybe you have a huge thing coming up and you need wisdom and it doesn't even seem like uh, you've got it. Can I tell you, he'll give it to you. Yeah. Maybe you need strength for some things. Maybe you have some financial needs. God says, uh, Paul said, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus.
And let's be dismissed in a word of prayer this afternoon. And uh, hope you have a great rest of your week, beginning of your week. And uh, Lord willing, we'll see you Wednesday. And it looks like a little bit of cold weather coming in, so stay inside. Only crazies go outside in cold weather like this. And I, w- I will guarantee you, I shouldn't guarantee you, there'll be one crazy out there jogging in it. You watch. They'll be out there running. <laughs> in short. Yeah. Well. Here. Says the guy who can breathe heavy getting off the couch, so maybe I shouldn't say anything. <laughs> so, anyway, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Brother Davidson, would you close us in prayer today?